Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining our AI for Growth Executive Series. Uh, in this interview series, we learn from executives at leading global companies who've success successfully applied AI to their enterprise. My name is Marlene Jaw. You can call me MJ. And we'll be chatting with Rachel, who leads machine assistance at Autodesk. She ran this initiative with the chatbot called Ava. And I think we'll have really interesting things to learn, especially with you know all the things that are going on with bots nowadays. So Rachel, thank you so much for being you know, on our broadcast. We're really excited. I know we've talked in the past and I really loved our conversations. So I'm really excited to share you with our audience. Um, can you maybe start with an introduction and tell us how you first became interested in bots and artificial intelligence and maybe how you got into your, your role and your team at Autodesk? Yeah, and thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Rachel Reckart. I am the Director of Machine Assistance at Autodesk, and I essentially um, run our AI and ML teams for customer engagement. So um, as MJ mentioned, you know, I'm kind of the, um, our first product is Ava, and she's not our only product, but she's definitely our flagship product in the machine assistance or the machine learning world. So I got into AI kind of by happenstance. Um, my background is in process and system optimization. I actually hmm. have a supply chain background and I did a lot of program management around um, optimizing and helping us scale our systems in our back office. And um, once I proved that I can kind of bring things from idea to um, implementation, they asked me to come help out with this proof of concept that they were working on with a chatbot. So they were piloting IBM Watson and they knew there was ROI there, but they couldn't really figure out how to bring it to scale. So mm -hmm. um, they brought me in to help plan all of that. And then I just stuck. That's awesome. You know, with, with Ava, I'm curious, was there a specific company need or was there a, like a mandate or initiative? How did Ava come to be and what issues did Ava end up being created to solve? I think there was definitely a, an automation and a, um, kind of a scaling customer support without subsequently scaling human support mm. in Autodesk that really prompted this initiative. So um, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, Autodesk announced our um, transition to a subscription-based platform. So historically, we sold perpetual licenses. You bought it one time, you owned it for life. That's really the only time you had to interact with us. And we started to transition over to annual subscriptions, quarterly and monthly. Mm -hmm. So um, our support uh, increased correspondingly, right? As you're monthly right. um, renewing your subscription, you're contacting us monthly, you're interacting with us monthly. And we could not keep up. Right. Um, we, we already had really long wait times. Our average resolution time was one and a half to two days before. Wow. Yeah. Our CSAT was around 65 to 70. So uh, not great customer satisfaction scores, really long resolution times. And we just could not keep up with the volume. So that's what prompted this initiative. Um, we also were reacting to a customer need of having 24 by seven support because they have 24 by seven companies and are using our products 24 by seven and we weren't a 24 by seven company. 
So um, that is really what prompted this initiative. Right. And we launched AVA in February of 2017 to really address our most common customer inquiries. Right. But we found that customers want to talk to her about many more things than <laughs> Um, so at launch, our first month, Ava had 20,000 conversations with customers. Wow. Okay. And she did so with a resolution time of five and a half minutes and a satisfaction score in line with our um, agents around 70% at launch. Oh, wow. Okay. So already they were at bench like the benchmark. Benchmark in terms of satisfaction, but... Um, far exceeded in terms of resolution time. Right, right. And she's only gotten better from there. So we launched her in February of last year. Today, Ava talks to over 100,000 customers a month. So she went from 20 to 100,000. And her CSAT this month hit 88. So she's got an 88% customer satisfaction rate. Wow. Resolution time is about 3.9 minutes. Wow, that's incredible. She does more, she's actually getting better. Mm -hmm. Really the um, the benefit of this technology, because that just doesn't happen with people. When you right. give people triple the quantity or, or you know five times the quantity of what they used to handle, their quality suffers. But when right. you give that to robots, they learn more. And right, right. So you have to walk us through the process of how you guys developed Ava at the very beginning, because I think for a lot of people, the common question is, you know, how do you decide which use cases to focus on? How do you get to the first iteration of your bot? Now, obviously, you mentioned that you try to keep it at, you know, commonly asked questions and things like that. But, you know, Autodesk is also a very complicated product. So just curious, you know, how did you guys even begin with uh, creating and implementing Ava? Yeah, we um, started with a use case that was... Um, what we called low-hanging fruit. It was uh, one thing, getting an activation code, and it actually okay. constituted about 30% of our overall. Oh, wow. So every time a customer activates their product, they need this mm. activation code. And um, there are many number of reasons that they might get an error or contact us for a code. So we started with that use case because there was high volume and it was something that we could automate and really help to disambiguate because there were what we thought about five big buckets of reasons that customers would contact us for an activation issue. Right. So that's how we selected our first use case. And then we expanded to other use cases that we thought were easily automatable, um, easy to disambiguate. So mm -hmm. we, we definitely started out by um, looking at all the ways our customers express a similar intent and then mm -hmm. narrowed it down to those categories. Okay, here's the things we're going to do out the gate. Mm -hmm. and as customers talk to Ava, we use that to help us figure out where what we need to do next. Right, right. I think a common, uh, a lot of times people want to be able to answer all of these questions. And I think it's actually a really good move that you guys chose just to start with that activation code and then go from there. Sometimes you bite off more than you can chew otherwise. Right. So yeah, I was just talking to um, someone from VMware today telling her that if we waited until we thought we handled everything, we still wouldn't have launched. And right. Honestly, we would have missed the mark anyways because customers interact with virtual agents so differently than they do with humans. Huh. So even, 
training them on everything you think they're going to ask you based on historical human chats. Right. Hit everything that they're going to talk to a virtual agent about. What are some examples of those differences that you saw? Um, We have actually seen that we call it shadow volume of all these new areas that customers are trying to talk to us about, but um, they don't really understand our terminology. Hmm, Okay. Um, an example is we will say um, you need a license or a serial number for your mm-hmm. license and a product key. And a customer will come in and say, I need a license key. And right. That, that doesn't exist in our world. So we need to help you understand this or this. Right. And, um, our agents hadn't ever heard of it because so they couldn't help us with it. So it was something that we weren't seeing with our agents because I, I think once you're on the phone with someone, you kind of just stumble through. I need something that helps me to do this. But when right. you're talking to a virtual assistant, you're actually trying to come up with the name of like, what do I think I'm asking for? Mm. So started to pull out that terminology that customers are actually trying to communicate with us about that we weren't really getting in those one-to-one human interactions. Right. No, that makes sense. Now, going back, I think you mentioned earlier that you guys, you know, obviously we're working with IBM Watson. How did you choose between vendors and why did you guys end up ultimately going with IBM Watson? Yeah, uh, I actually get asked this question a lot, too. When we started this in the proof of concept phase, um, it was even before I joined like two years ago, uh, there were really only a couple major players in this space. IBM and Microsoft were in the enterprise space. Right. um, Amazon and Google were kind of in the consumer space, right? Those were really the big players. Right. Looking at then enterprise, um, Microsoft at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, you really had to be plugged into their CRM backend Mm -hmm. in order to get a lot of the benefits out of the box of their machine learning algorithms. Whereas IBM was more of a, you could plug and play with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked the flexibility it afforded us. Got it. I also, um, uh, we haven't second guessed it, honestly. We do a lot of market research within my team around other platforms. And IBM has the most intuitive interface. It gives us a lot of flexibility from a both an engineering and a um, dialogue design standpoint. And IBM as a company, has really partnered with us from the get-go since we mm. a doctor. We constantly meet with them and compare roadmaps and really figure out how mm. we can solve problems together. So it's not just the product, it's also the partnership that we're getting. Yeah. And you know, the ecosystem for IBM is just so large. I think anything you need, there's some partner or some, you know, technical service that is there that can help you kind of wade through it. So um, but it is really interesting because I think the the vendor evaluation question is a persisting question for a lot of people. And I think it's sometimes very difficult to, to choose because at the end of the day, a lot of vendors do the same thing. And then it really comes down to ecosystem and then service and yep. things and like that. It really comes down to business goals. Right. There are a lot of startups out there too now that are helping people just launch things quickly. And and as long as you're not trying to scale it at an enterprise level, there are a lot of really good solutions out there. 
But I right. think once you get into scaling it at the level that we're starting to look at it, you need one of these big players. You need the um, the computing capability and 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 the algorithms and just the ecosystem, like you said, that is behind something like an IBM. Right. So with Ava, I, it sounds like you guys have made so many improvements and it started out being pretty bomb anyway. But what were some of the challenges that you guys had as you rolled out you know, new iterations or you tried to incorporate new changes or new use cases? Um, some of the challenges that we came across were really understanding the, the um, intricacies of our own problems. So huh. like I said, with that activation case, we really thought there were five major ways. There's actually right. like two. So we have been able to automate a fraction of it, but not the whole thing. Right. So setting expectations on how much of the opportunity we're actually going to be able to automate and capture with this solution is something that we're getting way better at as we continue to do this. We were, um, I think, just overzealous out the gate with like, yeah, once we put this out there, all volume can go through here. <laughs> right. Another challenge for me continually has been language expansion. Huh. Luckily for Autodesk, about 60% of our volume is English. So you still right. see the ROI when we stay in the English space. But I can't just localize everything I have in English and expect that to cover all the ways a customer is going to express that same problem in Japanese. Right. Localizing this at scale has definitely proven challenging. And then um, something that was a challenge early on was developing a persona in line with the solution. So right, yeah, that we're developing a cohesive experience through conversation was something that we really had to go back and kind of comb through after the fact. And I think in hindsight, I would have put a lot more emphasis on it up front. Well, what did you guys start with? Did you start with more of a neutral persona or? Yeah, we started with auto. Um, mm -hmm. Auto was actually launched before Ava. And auto was just a symbol and auto did really the, that activation proof of concept. Right. But, um, we let the developers just code auto's responses. So he ended up mm -hmm. in early versions of Ava having multiple personality disorder. Like it was okay. <laughs> the, however the developer expressed themselves was how Ava's response. So at some time she would say shucks and other times she would say, you know, something completely different. It just wasn't consistent. Right. And I think that something to really um, that I tell people to place a lot of emphasis on now is that you're creating an experience through conversation. So persona is so important. So mm. the feedback we got was, yeah, auto for Autodesk, but auto as a name sounded really decidedly rigid. And they right. just didn't, he didn't come off as super helpful out the gate, whereas mm -hmm. um, females. And that's why a lot of chatbots are female come off as more collaborative and um, kind of, we're going to solve this together. And mm -hmm. that is one of those things where you have to decide which bias you're going to buy into. Do you want to go against the grain and, and um, try to beat that bias? Or do you want to buy into it? Because females are seen as more helpful in right. society, right? Right. Um, so really, we have put so much thought now into our persona, into our image, making sure that Ava is... Um, uh, kind of agnostic in terms okay. of her cultural, her cultural representation. I see. <laughs> um, 
the multinational that she has an accent so that she's not just American, even though she's mostly serving Americans, that she um, ethically ambiguous is really what we call it. But right. it's intentional to represent because Autodesk is multinational and it's multicultural and our support reps are the same. Our support reps are also 70% female. So that was one of the reasons we went with female as well was so that we're really representing our Autodesk brand. Right. I had to hire or not ha had to. I hired a creative writer uh, to comb through all of Ava's responses to really give her that persona and that personality and bring it through in all of her responses consistently. Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, that, you know, now that you mentioned you hired a creative writer, what all makes up your team for Ava? Uh, because I think a lot of times when people think of bot solutions, it's this technology solution. But oftentimes when you talk to people, the team is actually comprised of many, many other kinds of roles. Yeah. Mostly when people think of these solutions, they think they need a data scientist and they're good to go. <laughs> from the truth. Um, I have data scientists. I have computational linguists. So right. People that are just focusing on, you know, the dialogue design and how to create or how to um, elicit a response through the way that you're phrasing mm. something. Right. Um, I have people that um, are creative writers. I have UX researchers. I have business analysts. I have communications managers. It's really a lot of people that understand the value and um, of conversation and. Right bridge technology and humanities, right? Because it's such a blend of the two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times, you know, this also, you know, you, you had said something at the very beginning about, you know, scaling bots, but also scaling human interactions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just about automating a lot of the workflows, you're, you're still creating a lot of roles for a lot of different people that composite this bot. Um, and actually, I, you know, you had mentioned in one of our earlier conversations that despite Ava, um, you know, being able to automate all of these interactions and all of these resolutions, you haven't, the team hasn't been reduced at all. Nope. Um, and I, I find that to be really, really incredible because I think a lot of companies, when they think about bots, they immediately think of that as like a cost uh, cutting measure. Right. Right. You do have to decide from a corporate strategy standpoint what you're going what you're going after when you invest in this. And what Autodesk decided was that we want to use that savings in two ways. One, so that our human agents can focus on reducing that resolution time that I talked about earlier, which is that one and a half to two days. So as they mm -hmm. on the more complex cases, they're getting to them faster, right? Right. So um, we're, we're not reducing workforce there. We're just helping them to answer customer inquiries at a, at a higher um, efficiency and um, a better rate. Right, right. And the, the savings that we are seeing in things like resolution time and, and cost savings, um, just from the advantages that we're getting through Ava, we're actually reinvesting in, in my team. So my team has grown from two people when we started to now 13 people in the last Oh, year. wow. So we're continually expanding. And that that's really just um, today, any given agent, right, um, would help maybe 25 to 30 customers in a given day. Right. Ava helps 1,500. 
And so I knew oh, gosh. <laughs> to that same uh, ratio, right? So it's uh, one of the things I tell people when they're starting out with this is it's so important to invest in the talent just as much as the technology. These aren't set it and forget it solutions. Right. You can't just launch a chatbot and then let it sit. So you right. have to be willing to invest in the people and the talent um, as much as you're willing to invest in the technology. Actually, that's a, another interesting question that now I'm thinking is what type of budget can people expect? If you're serious about investing in a bot for your company or for these types of use cases, what is a good starting budget for people? Uh, yeah. it, it honestly depends on, on your use case. Right. Um, so it's re it really varies. Um, a lot of times what I recommend is before people go into budget, they really um, work with a company on a proof of concept and make right. sure they understand what their business goals are and, and what they're trying to accomplish and how quickly they'll want to scale it. Because one of the things, like I mentioned before, is that I had two people and we were getting 20,000 conversations in the first month. Like I did right. have a team there to go through 20,000 conversations to teach Ava fast enough. Right. Um, on top of expanding the things that she could talk about. Right. Right. So really planning out initially where you're trying to go, how quickly you want to scale, what cases you're really going after. That will help you determine what type of investment you need to make in both technology and team. Right. That's wise, wise, wise words for sure. <laughs> so where is Ava going from here? You know, right now, obviously you, you guys are still working on the customer service side. Do you guys have plans to use Ava in other capacities? Yes. So the first thing that we're doing or that we just did is last week we launched new functionality for Ava. So Ava can now um, speak to you and video chat with you. So we launched voice and video capabilities for mm -hmm. certain workflows within the um, Ava process. Right. So for our really complicated troubleshooting articles where we're walking you through like 10 steps, you probably don't want to just be handed an FAQ or be, you know, sent this 10 page list from a chatbot. Right. So we actually have Ava there to walk you through each step. And at each step, you can diverge based on your understanding or based on what you see on your screen, because we're asking you to do certain things. And so Ava can help walk you through those divergences. Yeah. Um, so really improving her functionality into voice and video is our next major thing. And then from there, we're going to look at getting her into more of the sales enablement. Ah, interesting. Okay. From a brand standpoint, we've said that Ava is there for customer engagement. So it's not mm. just support. Um, it's not limited to the platform she's on today. So we'll expand that as well. And we're really just going to make her more of a brand touch point for Autodesk, like an Alexa is for Amazon or Siri for Apple. I think it all blends together. Uh, you know, whether it's about communicating for the brand or support questions or just general questions about, uh, the company or the product, you really can't get away um, from all of the all of the different uh, departments kind of interacting with each other at some point because it is about the customer and the customer can kind of touch a lot of different areas. Yeah, yeah. So, do, and I for the sales enablement, do you guys have a, you know starting use case ideas already? Are you guys going to do the same thing where you're just going to do one thing? in sales and then go from there or 
Yeah, I think we're going to start more with the um, right now. We're going to start with the divergence between pre-sales and post-sales support, because what we're finding is like on our um, e-store sites, Mm -hmm. a lot of times customers will come back to the e-store just because it's what they know. And they're actually looking for post-sales support. Mm. Putting her there to help with a lot of things she already knows is beneficial, but you don't want to put her there until you actually can help with some of the pre-sales stuff as well. So it's helping really get customers to the right resources and answer questions about pricing models and, you know, customers Absolutely. and things like that. And then being able to help them if they're coming back so that it's really that consistency of one touch point, right? It would be the right. same in like a trial model. You would say, hey, I started with Ava and now I converted and I want Ava to keep, you know, you want to have that consistency across mm-hmm. all phases of the customer life cycle. Right, so right. Just kind of moving her up into the next logical phase. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to end this amazing conversation with this kind of final maybe pro tip question, which is what are your top tips for business leaders who want to implement a similar type of conversational AI solution, whether it's in customer support or in sales? What are some of those, you know, you have to consider and what are the pitfalls that people really should avoid too? I talked about some of them um, already a little bit, so I'll just reiterate a few of those. So one is that um, launch before you're ready and iterate often. So don't worry about getting it perfect. Get it out there, get it learning, get it capturing customer inquiries, and then make sure you have the staff to iterate after you launch. Mm -hmm. Um, The second, like I said, is invest in talent, not just technology. So Uh, Build your team around your business goals to really make sure that you're not just using all of your budget for the best in class platform and then you don't have a team to support it because it will be limited. These solutions are still kind of what I call Wizard of Oz. Like it looks (laughs) but like it's a good team of people actually pulling levers and making it work. So that is how people need to start thinking about this stuff. Right. Um, The third is that persona matters. So like I said before, I really wish we would have invested in that a little bit earlier, but I'm glad mm. we now have such a strong persona for Ava that has been really, you know, intentional. We put a lot of thought into how we're going to represent our company, because if you don't, your customers will, whether you've been intentional about it or not, they will create a persona. Right. Um, and the last thing is really that you should be prepared for trade-offs. I have really had to categorize things into... Um, new scope, improving current scope, and then adding new features because there are so many directions you can go in. Of course, you want to cover everything. So you're always looking to expand scope, but then you always want to get better at what you currently launched because you'll find customers interact with you in all different ways. And then you want to add new functionality. This industry is moving so quickly. Right. You don't want to just have, you know, just having tech space will leave you behind. You need to be able to have image recognition and sentiment analysis and all these other bells and whistles that really enhance the overall experience. Well, anything to do with communication, right? (laughs) Right. And that's on top of you have to make those trade-offs between scope and and improving. Right. So that has really been my advice for people is to make sure you're planning for all of that. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I actually, I look forward to seeing what other iterations and what else Ava will be doing. And hopefully we can continue our conversations another time too. 
yes, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you everyone else for tuning in. And we'll come back the following week with another broadcast. Have a good day.